Welcome to the Community Church Podcast. This is a special message from Jeff Kaiser of Haven of Rest titled Answering the Call. But first, an introduction from Pastor Mike Ripka. Thanks for joining us. And without further ado, here's Pastor Mike. Well, as we talk about different ministries that we partner with, it's again, it's not just international, it's also local. And part of our partnership is not just, again, financial, it's also people. And so there are ministries in this area that we not only financially support, but we are personally involved. We have many people in our congregation that are volunteers. Uh, Probably in my time here, the ministry that has been most connected to our church, uh, as far as, you know, the number of people that are involved, uh, you know, deeply involved as volunteers, even some staff, is Haven Rest. And even to illustrate that, let me just see, we had about probably 40 or 50 people in the first service, but let me just see, how many of y'all have ever volunteered at the Haven of Rest Rescue Mission? And again, you just see the number of people that are here. I mean, we have a ton of people that have been involved in this ministry, and it's a great ministry, and myself included. I've done a lot of work uh, working with the men there, and because it's such a, such a great ministry. So we're so thankful for that. And uh, so we have today the opportunity to hear the director of Haven Arrest, uh, Jeff Kaiser, and he is going to come and he's going to share with us. And, and again, I think it's not only exciting to be able to hear about this ministry, to hear what God is doing, uh, but again, just to, in a sense to realize we're partnering with this, we're a part of this. I, I not only will share that we have people that are tons of volunteers here, we've had people that are a part of our congregation that have been uh, recipients of the Haven of Rest ministry and whose lives are, are testimony of how God is able to intervene in the most difficult of times and do a miraculous story. So, boy, what a blessing it is to partner with, with Haven Arrest. Thank you, Jeff, so much for being with us today, for sharing, and uh, we look forward to, to God using you and just sharing your heart and a story of, of what God's doing in, at Haven. Thank you. Well, thank you, Pastor Mike, uh, for that introduction, and thank you, community uh, of Portage Lake, for everything that you have done for the Haven Rest Ministries. Uh, Just looking over time, uh, this church, I think, has been a support in the ministry for 35 years, since 1988. And not only financially, but prayerfully, volunteering, I've seen all the hands that were raised uh, here today, uh, what a what a blessing it is, and then thanking the mission board, uh, the mission board, uh, in regards to them uh, having a sensitivity to support so many missions, not only locally but internationally, as it was mentioned. What a blessing that is to see that, and then also I mentioned uh, uh, seniors riding with the mission. I didn't have the chance to uh, mention them uh, when they finished. Uh, but I know they raised close to $20,000 for the Haven Arrest Ministries. Uh, ben Walker and that wonderful group of men, and then the support that came in to support them for doing that. So praise the Lord for that. So when I was driving in this morning, I don't know if you've seen it, but did anybody see that beautiful rainbow? Nope, nobody. It was gorgeous. I mean, it was early. Um, but I was, it was about 8.05, I was driving on 44, coming out from where I live, and there was just this gorgeous rainbow uh, sitting to the right of me as I was driving in. And as I was driving, you know, thinking about a lot of things um, in regards to what I was going to share, things, thinking about things that are happening in our world today, things that are happening over in Israel, what's going on now, I thought, boy, what a beautiful reminder that God is still 
on the throne in the midst of everything that's going on. I praise the Lord for that. You know, this year, um, the mission on April celebrated its 80th anniversary. Uh, 80 years of history being right in the city of Akron, Ohio. Obviously, we moved uh, our location a couple times uh, to our present location. But I would like to show a video uh, that we sh uh, showed at our 80th anniversary. Um, so you can kind of see some history here, and then I'd like to talk a little bit about what's going on at the, uh, the ministry. So if we could show that video, that'd be great. The people of Akron had weathered the Great Depression, a time when the rich lost their fortunes, working people lost their homes, and prolonged unemployment rose to 60%. By 1941, the economy was improving. Still, a weariness hung over some in the city like smoke from nearby rubber factories. Charles and Marjorie Thomas were witnesses to the despair. Their hearts were stirred especially for those whose homes were broken and whose lives were disrupted by alcohol. They decided to start a rescue mission that was more than just a social service agency meeting physical needs of poor and homeless individuals. Because their own lives had been changed by the gospel, they wanted to share the transformative spiritual power of Jesus with all who would listen. The Thomases asked for financial pledges from friends to cover the $35 a month they'd need to set up a mission in a tiny storefront on North Howard Street that was formerly Charlie's Winehouse. They recruited area pastors, laymen, and mission workers to take turns conducting services every weeknight and on Sunday afternoons. There were no sleeping quarters or kitchen in that first facility, so they took hungry people to nearby restaurants for meals, and on occasion would have those needing lodging sleep overnight in their home. It was a humble beginning, but God was there. People were hungry for the message of the gospel. Within a year's time, the work outgrew their facility. And so, in 1943, with World War II raging on, the officially incorporated Haven of Rest Rescue Mission moved to a much larger space in a former hotel in North Howard Street's Jazz District. The new space, dedicated on Easter Sunday, had a kitchen, rooms to house transient men, an auditorium, and a prayer chapel. It stayed open 24 hours a day to help those who came in. During the war, most of those who stayed at Haven of Rest needed a temporary place to sleep and something to eat until they could find a job or get a paycheck. The mission did this free of charge. 
Reverend Thomas started a radio program to inspire listeners and provide a platform for those whose lives were changed to share their stories. So our Father, we pray that our concern might be great for those who show no interest, that our chief task might be not only to occupy until he comes, but to get into the burden that some might be saved. A women's auxiliary still active today began in 1944, volunteering and raising funds for special projects and praying faithfully for all who pass through the mission's doors. An alcoholic ward with its own doctor and several orderlies was added to the mission in 1947 at a time when many were embarrassed to admit their need for help with addictions. It broke ground for a new four-story facility on Bookdale Avenue in 1952. Haven of Rest was considered one of the finest and best equipped organizations of its type in the nation, and several years later offered the only Christian alcoholic ward for women in Ohio. Haven of Rest moved into its current home on East Market Street in 1974. Five years later, the Harvest Home was opened to shelter and care for a growing number of women and young children. Additions to both facilities in 1989 increased Haven of Rest capacity by more than 50%. In 1995, the Client Services Center was added, providing much-needed day rooms for both men and women, donation and clothing distribution centers, and a central supply area. Today, the mission's emergency services are entry points to a multitude of longer-term programs designed to rescue men, women, and women with children who are trapped in cycles of multi-generational poverty, chronic homelessness, complex substance abuse, and mental health crises. From the beginning, Haven of Rest has been a place of refuge where souls could meet Jesus and find the one true hope that no one can steal or kill or destroy. That is a mission worth keeping. Thank you for that. You know, looking back at the, the time in the 40s, uh, 41, just ripened up the Great Depression. 43, World War II was still going on. And in the midst of that, Reverend C.C. Thomas and his wife Marjorie uh, answered that call. Now, they didn't answer that call until a little bit later in life. Uh, before that, uh, they were not serving the Lord. Uh, they were actually having major marriage, marriage problems and were the, on the verge of divorce uh, before that. What changed them was somebody came to their door and knocked on their door to invite them to a gospel concert at a church that was close to them. And they both loved music. So they went to that church, listened to the gospel music concert, and within a week ended up giving their lives to the Lord. And it changed the whole trajectory of their life. And what a blessing that is, is here we are 80 years later, later 
God is still faithful as we continue to hand off that torch to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with so many that are lost. 26 years ago, when I was hired at the mission, I remember something from the interview I had with Reverend Thomas, Reverend Walker, and Kurt Thomas III. Uh, it was a three-interview process. And Reverend Thomas said to me that working at the mission is a calling from the Lord, and it cannot just be a job. If you treat it as a job, you will not last long working at the mission. And I can tell you, he was right. The other conversation was when you work at the mission and go home to your family, it's important to separate the two. Leave mission work at the mission and go home to your family. And I can confess that that is not easy to do. When I started at the mission, we were expecting number three, um, and the Lord blessed us with seven children. And so separating the mission and going home and, and taking care of the family uh, was not an easy task because there were so many good things happening at the mission. Uh, I was seeing the Lord move in ways that I have never seen before, seeing people coming to Christ, and even his word uh, becoming so powerful as uh, strongholds in people's life uh, were being broken. Haven Arrest is just a piece of God's sovereign plan. And you realize quickly, uh, we cannot do this alone. You need a body of believers who work alongside you, working to accomplish the same goal of lives being changed and transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, 2019 and 2020, when that word COVID-19 came into play, that changed a lot of things at the Haven Arrest Ministries. Now, what I mean by that is, yes, we were stayed open seven days a week, 24 hours a day. We were a facility that was a necessity uh, during that time frame. But when you're dealing with a lot of guests, that are staying there, they didn't understand what was going on, and even your staff at that time. Nobody understood the impact of COVID-19. So we made major adjustments during that uh, time to serve the men and women and children coming to the Haven Arrest Ministries through our three buildings. And we got through it, and praise the Lord that God was faithful in getting us through uh, that COVID-19. And I know a lot of churches and a lot of people uh, were, were affected, affected by that. But in 1 Peter 4.10, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. Now this is Mission Sunday here. And as I look at all the missions that are represented here and the ones that are not represented here, the ones that are doing internationally, I can tell you there are a lot of, lot of wonderful gifts that are functioning in this church. And it's through those gifts that encourage us in the frontline ministry to continue to, to go forward and continue to do what we're doing. I, I received letters of encouragement. People call and tell, we're praying for you. During COVID-19, people were very concerned how, how we were all doing. And I can't thank you enough for all that you have done. I think of this. Uh, we know that that's the body of Christ. 
in regards to working perfectly in unity, uh, when you look at the different members and the different gifting of a church. But I also look at Ohio State football, and I look at the 11 men that are on that field, both offense and, offensively and defense. Each one is gifted in a different area to do what they're supposed to do. The offense to score touchdowns, the defense to hold the opponent back. And it happens the same way at the Haven of Rest Ministries. As we share the gospel of Jesus Christ, yes, we are pushing forward to make changes in their life. But on the other hand, we are in a spiritual battle that as we use God's word to stop things where they're at, because I can tell you things can get tough. And this is how the body of Christ works. As we come together and we are unified in the same cause of not only bringing the gospel locally and within the church, but internationally as we've listened to some of the missionaries that have already spoken. As we serve the men and women who come to our doors seeking help, there are a multitude of reasons why they are at the mission. Read the newspaper, listen to the radio, watch TV, whatever you see, we know this for sure. Addiction, mental health, violence, generational poverty, the breakdown of the family unit, lack of biblical teaching, all play a part in why somebody could end up at the Haven of Rest Ministries. A lot of the people that are coming through our doors today have no foundation of any Bible in the house whatsoever. So when you introduce God's word, you have to introduce it at a very beginning stages of who is Jesus? Who is David and Goliath? Jonah, who is that? They have no clue to where that's at. So their foundation that has been laid in their life over the years has been very rough and challenging. So what do we do? We are to love, we're to care, we're to listen, we're to redirect, we're to hold accountable, to share the gospel of truth, to plant the seeds of hope, and to serve in a culture where brokenness and hopelessness is rampant. The Haven Arrest sits in the city of Akron, where violence and addiction is all around us. So when our guests come, into, come in, whether it's a man, woman, or mother with their children, we are called to serve. And if you've been to the Haven Arrest, which I think many of you have, we are surrounded in an area where we have a park behind us where there's just a lot of uh, rough activity that goes on back there. But thank goodness uh, we can be salt and light in that community. And yes, we do. We do feed. We do shelter. We do clothe. Last year, 96,000, over 96,000 people were fed. 42,000 were, were sheltered, and then thousands of people have come through the mission to receive clothing. And we do so, so much more than just that. There's the sleeping, there's the lodging, there's the counseling that goes on. There's programs uh, for, for moms and for the, the men, for the children, as we work with the children, because a lot of the children are going through very difficult times uh, when the mom 
comes in and th that family structure is moving from one location to another location, constantly getting uprooted and moved. It doesn't only imp impact the, the mom, but it also impacts the children as well. In saying that, it goes beyond that though. We can feed, we can shelter, we can clothe, they can stay there. But when we talk about more of the spiritual aspect of what Haven Arrest does, we're also there to help the lame walk again. We have been paralyzed by life's traumas and circumstances. And I want to talk a little bit about that in a minute. It is to help the spiritually blind see the truth. It is to help the deaf hear again who have been drowned out by the noise of the world. It is to help change the trajectory of those that are on the wide path of life, to encourage them to get onto the straight and narrow. It is to feed our guests the manna from heaven, which is the word of God, to nourish them with the food that gives life. It is to show mercy and kindness to many who do not even understand that. They don't understand that. And it's to shepherd over those that God has entrusted to us. So when I talk about this, and I talk about the people that can come to the Haven of Rest Ministries in desperate house, sometimes they don't even know the reason why they are there, but they end up there. And to hear the stories of why they end up there is, can be overwhelming. I have talked to many who through their whole life, through verbal abuse and other types of abuse, believe what they were told. Years and years of that going on. And it becomes their identity. It becomes, they say, this is who I am and I cannot move beyond this. But I can tell you that when you share the gospel and they move beyond that and all of a sudden they see something that they thought was truth and they knew it was a lie and you see God tearing back these barriers of things that they have dealt with for life. There is rejoicing that goes on at the Haven of Rest Ministries. To show mercy and kindness to many who do not understand it, we might understand it, but I can tell you what, if you came out of a situation that was so tough and you didn't know what mercy and kindness was, when you show it, they can actually get angry at you because they do not know how to receive it. Childhood plays a huge part in a lot of our guests that come through the Haven Arrest Ministries. Choices that they made on their own can play a big factor in why they end up at the Haven Arrest Ministry. Addictions can play a big choice in why they can end up at the Haven Arrest Ministries. Those are just a few. There's a list of the reasons why they could end up at the Haven of Rest Ministries. 
To see somebody that is hopeless, they have no identity, they don't feel like they have an identity. They don't feel that they fit into society. They feel that they are more like void and they are just going day to day to day, living short day to day lives, just trying to survive one day at a time. Sin is, dev is a devastating destruction force. It's heartbreaking to see a person made in God's image being robbed of life and identity. I remember walking across the street on our mission property. It was right before chapel service at 11 o'clock because we do chapel service a couple times a day. And I saw a man and I said to him, I'm glad to see you. And I knew who this guy was, but I hadn't seen him in a while. His response to me was, I do not even know who I am anymore. Many times they look at their life and ask, how did I get here? The mission is also very, very concerned about our school system and what's happening in the public schools. Because we're in the city of Akron, we're very, very concerned about what's happening in our school system. So just recently, within the last year, we started a program called Every Child, Every Chance. Working with eight middle schools in our Akron area. We are working with counselors to find out the needs of these middle school children to help them get through the school year. Could you imagine? Going to school on your very first week without shoes or special needs. Children not having supplies to get them through that day. These are some of the back doors as we work with the counselors to start to minister uh, to the children. Not that we want to be recognized through that. This is we drive there, we drop the stuff off, and then we leave. They don't know who's doing it. We are just doing it because the counselors at the school, even though they can't say it, there's a desperate cry of help for our children. We know it, and I believe most of you know it. And as it was talked about here, I'm, I'm very so encouraged about the partnership with the, the church here that has with Co Coventry School right here. Praise the Lord for that. And this gives us the opportunity through the counselors as we provide for the children to find out what's going on with the family and some of the needs that are going on with the family. And the counselors can come and tell us this child needed shoes or this child needed this or this child. But we also know what's going on at home and we know there's a shortage of food. They don't have personal click care items. They need clothing. So we, through the back door, can offer, the counselors can say we know a place that would be able to help provide some of that. The other things we can include is our Happy Birthday Jesus Party, Hope Sports Camp, and our community picnic that most of them are unfamiliar with. All opportunities to present the gospel, not forcefully, but through love, kindness, and generosity. Prayer is a powerful tool that God gave us. 
In Philippians 4, 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. I personally can sit there and say that I have seen God move in my life through, through answered prayer. I'm sure everybody in here probably has seen God do something in their life through prayer. One, for sure, I do know this. Before I came to serve the Lord, before I even knew Jesus Christ, I had, there was an army of people out there praying for me. They knew I needed a lot of help. And I'm thankful that they were praying for me. And it was through a whole scenario of things that that prayer eventually brought me to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I would like to conclude on a story, and it's not long, but it's a story to encourage and let you know that God still is doing miracles. The story I'm going to share with you was a true miracle. I'm just going to tell you. I still have a hard time grasping the full effects of this, this person's life. We had a person in our program a little over a year ago uh, who chose to leave our program. And this was on, on the men's side. He had been in the program before, so this was round number two. Both times, he didn't complete the, the program. First time he didn't complete the program, he came back to the mission. The second time he completed the program, I mean, didn't complete the program, he, he stayed out. So this person had, had slipped back into addiction. And at some point, we don't have all the time frame all the, on this because there's a lot of, when we try to pinpoint, there's just a lot of unknowns. But at some point, this person ended up at Grace Park by the Haven Arrest, which sits right behind us, and that's a horrible place to be. This person was already under the influence of a drug addiction called meth. Somehow, and this is where it gets a little crazy, he knew, even on that, under that influence, that the police were coming to see him. And so as he's seen the police coming into Grace Park, whether they pulled up on the street and they started coming to see he had other drugs on him that were wrapped in cellophane, and as they were coming and getting out of the car, he, he actually swallowed both of them. Now, the police didn't know this, but they knew he was in bad shape. So they took him down to the ER at Summa Hospital. When he was at, at, at Summa at ER, he stopped breathing, and the nurses realized that he had some of these cellophane-wrapped drugs lodged in his throat, and one of them broke open and went right into his system. When the, yeah, so what happened then after that, as a staff, he ended up having three actual heart attacks, five, no, I'm sorry, five to six heart attacks, and then they had to bring him back two to three times after all that, that had happened. We got a call from ER. Somehow they found out that he had stayed at the Haven Arrest Ministries and they told us that he's not gonna make it, he's in critical condition, and we need to find family. We need to find his mom, we need to find somebody there for him. Well, he, he didn't really have anybody. 
there. In stating all this, it was his birthday. He just turned 50 years old. And one of the promises that he made to himself, he said, if my life does not change by the time I am 50, I'm going to kill myself. So this was on his birthday. He believed that. He literally believed that, and 50, his 50th birthday came out. Prayer went out for this individual, not only at the mission, but we sent it out externally as well. We were getting calls from the hospital almost every single day that his organs were slowly starting to shut down. He was on life support. He's not going to make it. This went on for a month. They thought he was going to pass away within that day or within a couple days, and it went on for a month. So we called down there, and they told us that he hasn't made a turn. He's still in critical condition, but we've taken him off life support, and his organs aren't shutting down anymore. And so they kept him there for a little bit longer, and then they moved him out of there and brought him across the street, not to our building. We have a rehabilitation building across the street that Suma owns. And he was in there for at least a month. And we would go over there, not me, but several of our staff would go over there, and he would not recognize anybody that came in. Nobody. He'd come in, and they, I mean, these were, we, we worked with him. He, his memory was shot. So he stayed there for some time, and then he had to move, and they put him into a nursing home up in Cleveland. And so he went to see him in Cleveland, and he started talking and starting to put pieces back together that, oh, I know who this person is, I know who that person is. He started walking again, because he, he had to be retrained to walk, he had to be retrained to speak, he had to retrain to feed himself, he had to retrain to use the rest, he had everything. And so up when we went to see him at the nursing home, as pieces were falling back in and he was starting to walk and feed himself and his memory slowly came back, they said, well, he's done here. We need a place for him. So he came back to the Haven Arrest Ministries. When he came back to the mission, I'll never forget the first day he came in. He walked in. You can tell that he was through a major battle, but he remembered names, but he didn't remember everything. And we started putting him through the program, the discipleship program again. Through prayer and feeding him God's word and counseling and medical appointments and everything, he started getting better and better and better. Today, where is he at? Today, he's hired 40 hours at the mission. He's working full time. Instead of praise the Lord, what? We are so thankful that God. So my encouragement to you as our friends continue, continue to use the gifts that God has given you to support, encourage each one, each one, the church, outside missions, keep up the good work. It is working. Even though we hear so much of the negative, 
God is still moving. He's still moving in mighty ways. We are still seeing people come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are seeing people that were on the wide and narrow coming onto the straight and narrow now. We are seeing people that were lame because of life circumstances, walking, blind see, and the deaf hear now because they have the word of God and Christ in them. God can, is still doing miracles, and we're very thankful for that. And we can't thank you guys enough for everything that you guys have done. So thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Thank you very much, Jeff. Boy, it is exciting. I, I just am thr so thrilled with that ministry and what a privilege it is to partner with them. Let me just, in closing, give one passage. We've been studying in our church the Gospel of Matthew. And uh, let me just reread a passage from Matthew 9, which I think really sums up a lot of what you shared and a lot of what we need to remember today. The heart of Jesus, Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout the, all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And you're preaching the gospel and, and, and realizing that there's a lot of missions that they just feed, but they don't preach the gospel. No, no we, we don't want to just meet the physical needs. We want to deal with the spiritual needs, but that also means dealing with the, the physical. And a lot of times it's by feeding. It's, that's what Jesus did. That's what it means with the healing, and, and so that's what you're still doing in that ministry. And what drives Haven Arrest? What drives any of us? The heart of Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And that's our world today. There are so many people out there that they're running, and they might be running from God, and they seem so close. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, before God, God knows, no, we have compassion because they're harassed, they're, they're helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd. And so what is the answer? Look at what Jesus said. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And that's still for us, for, for us today. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. That, that there's incredible need and the fact of the matter is we might say, well, I don't know what to do. And boy, it, it, so often you hear like this man or you hear you know, these stories and you're like, this person could never know, come to know Christ. Well, no, all we do is we plant the seeds and Jesus takes the seeds and he's the one that does the miracle of bringing life. And our job is to go out and to say, okay, we're out there to say, okay, God, use me. And, uh, and, and we're partnering with other people that are doing this internationally. God, use me, send me out into my mission field, into the place where, where you've done that. And, and I just want to be faithful because the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. The question is how many of us are willing to go out by God's grace, through his strength, to be his representatives. And in a world where it seems like so much is lost, it seems like it's helpless. As we looked at last week, what was the promise of Jesus? No, we're called to storm the gates of hell and the, hell, the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the, the, the advance of the church. Let's believe that. Let's move into that faithfully. And that is it for this week's message. If you have a question about the message, community church, or Jesus Christ, send us a text to 330-400-3242. You can learn more about our events and community groups online at ccpl.life connect. There, you can also send in a prayer request. We would love to pray for you. Have a blessed Lord's Day, and we'll see you next week.